Welcome to IWG Radio, the place to be for all of your wellness needs. Hey there, Dr. Nicole from Integrative Wellness Group in Belmar, New Jersey. Hi, Dr. Nick here. Clinical nutritionist, Brooke. I am Dr. Kyle. You are listening to IWG Radio, the place to be for all of your wellness needs. So today we're actually going to be talking to Dr. Alexia, who is the veterinarian over at Thrive Veterinarian Wellness, uh, which is located in Little Silver. And I was really excited to bring her on to just talk to her about why she started Thrive and also just some of the different approaches that they're using. Uh, I always say to other people that she is the, uh, the functional medicine practitioner for our pets. And um, I'm really excited to get her perspective because I think dogs nowadays are getting a lot of different human diseases, but also lifestyle diseases. And, uh, and kind of talking about how different things we could be doing with our dogs or feeding our dogs can be contributing. So we're going to dive in and I'm going to introduce Dr. Alexia and have her just kind of tell us why she started uh, Thrive Wellness in the first place. Sure. So thank you for having me. Um, so my partner, Dr. Penny Rochelle, and I started Thrive because we're both Essentially, we're both holistic veterinarians, and we've practiced conventional medicine for the last 10 years. And I know personally within, God, within a year of practicing conventional medicine, I knew that there was more that could be done to help my patients. Like, I was just tired of giving the same antibiotic over and over again. And you just keep seeing the same thing, and you're like, how else can I help? Um... And so from there, I learned about acupuncture and I became certified in acupuncture and it all just kind of snowballed from there. And within the traditional Chinese medicine approach, you look at food, you look at stress, you look at the dog's or cat's environment. Um, You really start to learn to look at the whole patient and not just the disease. They are not the disease. You need to treat the actual animal. Um, which, and the cause. And the cause, mm-hmm. exactly, which I know is, you know, the same approach that you take mm-hmm. where you can't just stick ear medicine in for the ear infection. What is the underlying reason for that? Mm-hmm. Is there, where's the imbalance? Is there a bacterial overgrowth problem? And you really have to look at things. And in my conventional medicine world, I'm able to do that, but we really wanted a place where people can go that they get a true holistic look at their pet. And they know that that's what they're going to get from us. And there's no antibiotics around. There's no vaccines. There's nothing. We are strictly holistic in that way. That's, I think that's really great. It's such a different approach in comparison to, to the run-of-the-mill places. Mm-hmm. And you know, looking at the animal as a whole. And I think that even the fact that you said stressors is important because we wouldn't always consider the fact that maybe our dog is, you know, under stress or in a stressful environment. But, Mm -hmm. you know, most dogs are a reflection of their environment. And Mm -hmm. if the home is stressful because of, you know, uh, a disgruntled spouse or a, you know, uh, parents and kids that are fighting in those different dynamics, it does affect the pet. Yeah. So um, I think those are all really important things to consider. So with the approach that you're taking at Thrive, why don't you give us an idea of some of the different modalities that you're using? I know you mentioned acupuncture. So yeah, so we use acupuncture, we use chiropractic. Awesome. um, (laughs) Herbal therapy, which includes Chinese and Western herbs. 
we do what's called food therapy, where basically it's it's nutrition, but it's it's looking at food um, almost in a medical kind of way. Um, we don't do a, like nutrition breakdowns or anything like that. It's mm-hmm. just eating whole healthy foods essentially. And we also use laser therapy as well. Great. So give us an example. We use laser therapy as well. So I would love to know some of the things that you are using the laser therapy for with these pets. Yeah, totally. So we have, we actually have two different lasers in our practice, Um, but they're both class four and we use them for anything from musculoskeletal disease and inflammation to, um, I lasered a dog before for a bladder infection, chronic kidney disease, um, IBS, IBD. I mean, mainly we run to it for musculoskeletal problems, Yeah. but even internal organ diseases where there's inflammation and infection, Mm -hmm. it really helps. That's so great. I'm so glad that you said that because I know that even growing up having two dogs, uh, the dogs had chronic ear infections and it was drops and drops and drops. And they were typically the antibiotic drops. And you know, as I didn't know a lot then, I was young, but I always said to my mom, I'm like, do you think that it's the right treatment? Why do they have to get the same thing every week? (laughs) And um, I think that it's great to know that laser is out there and it can be used to fight infections. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would love to just even talk about our experience together because despite, you know, what I do as a functional medicine practitioner, you know, you, we have a dog, we love our dog, it's like our child, and uh, also not really knowing if the same practices I use with my patients as humans could yeah. apply to my dog, yeah. and my dog having a chronic reoccurring yeast infection in his ears, and yes, yeah, he plays in the water, and I get that can contribute, but at the same time, I personally thought, okay, is this coming from the gut, because he did have a past infection of parvo, And just by you saying, yeah, that's totally a contributing (laughs) factor. You have to treat his gut and giving me the different supplements that I can, you know, open up as capsules and dump into his food. It's been a game changer and it's finally gotten to the root cause of his ear infections. And I think that that was, it was so simple, but it was just so amazingly useful so that he's not that dog that is getting the eardrops every other week. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really value that and, and appreciate that we're able to take this holistic approach with our pet. Um, so kind of talking about what I mentioned in the beginning, um, dogs getting these different types of lifestyle diseases that a lot of us humans are also dealing Mm -hmm. with. Like, what are your thoughts on that? So, yeah, I mean, I can't tell you, that was one of the earliest things I started to notice even before I, you know, became a holistic practitioner was I'd diagnose a dog with hypothyroidism and the owner would be like, oh, I'm hypothyroid or the dog's diabetic. Oh, I'm diabetic. And it gets kind of creepy sometimes, (laughs) literally like kidney disease. So, I mean, they have the same organs we have. I mean, their intestines are slightly shorter than ours. Um, You know, their livers are slightly different in what they process and how they do it. But essentially, you know, the body's physiology is really similar. And so they can get kidney issues. They can get IBS and IBD and they can get SIBO, you know, they can get bacterial overgrowth of the gut. Um, Because, you know, we're all really similar. And Mm -hmm. so it is, it's tough. Like I can totally see it from your point of view where you think they're that much different, but they really aren't. And we use 
many of the same supplements, quite honestly. I mean, dosages are obviously different, um, but I feel like the approach is really, really similar. I mean, we still do the same blood works. We, we look at the same values. Values are different, obviously, um, but everything is similar. And it's interesting looking at what human diseases are prevalent and what animal diseases are prevalent and then looking at how what we're doing is similar the food that we're eating the water we're drinking the air that we're breathing the stress that we're under how much exercise are we doing mm -hmm. um and so it we're in the reflection of each other yeah and i think that's a really good point to be making is that most of the things that we're doing with our lifestyle is obviously not really just even being passed to our pets, it's being passed to our kids. And mm -hmm. that's why so many things run in families yeah. is because the lifestyle is very similar. So um, with that being said, you know, talking about diet, talking about water, what, are you, what, what do you think are some of the biggest players in these dogs getting these different lifestyle conditions? You know, what are some of the things that we should know about the food or the water, et cetera? So definitely... Um, I personally like fresh food. I mean, like with people, I think mm -hmm. fresh is best. And the same thing with dogs. You know, I think kibble is okay, but if you're going to use a kibble, you want to use something that has high quality ingredients in it. And one of my issues with kibble is that it's heated to such a high degree that, you know, how many nutrients are we actually preserving here? Mm -hmm. And just because it has the proper ratio that's been determined to be the right one, what's in it in the end? And is your dog able to absorb it properly? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, if we ate, we don't want to eat processed foods every day, mm -hmm. right? So, but we're feeding it to our animals. Mm -hmm. So homemade diets, I think, are great. Raw diets are great. Even dehydrated, mm -hmm. where it's not as processed. You know, the least processed, the best. Life isn't perfect. You know, we're not perfect, things happen, and so if you have to give your dog kibble for a day, a few weeks, as a supplement, you do what you can. But I think as many fresh fruits, vegetables, meats as possible, mm -hmm. you know, is the best thing so they can get the most nutrient value out of it. Well, let me ask you this. I read up on um, a raw diet mm -hmm. before we got our dog Booker. And uh, one of the things that I found really interesting is it said that the dogs don't have the proper enzymes to break down um, specific carbohydrates, especially grains and, you know, things like quinoa and rice and, um, you know, breads and wheat, etc. And I find that that is in almost all the kibble. It's yeah. in all the dry I mean, they foods. do. They have amylase. They do have things to break them down. It's mm -hmm. just it takes a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. And so then you get more fermentation and you don't really want fermentation. Which so, leads to these bacterial exactly, overgrowth. Exactly. Yeah. So they can digest it. It's just we don't want a food that's like 80% carbs. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. So it's that having a better ratio mm -hmm. of ingredients is also really important. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, we've had a couple of run-ins with, you know, people that have had uh, their dog diagnosed with different types of cancers or other, you know, more serious conditions. And they have asked our opinion about, you know, the, the dog food that was recommended because a lot of times it's a prescription. And I find that these prescription dog foods, the first three ingredients are... Carb, carb, carb. <laughs> exactly. It's either some type of sugar, it's soy, which mm -hmm. is, you know, obviously coming from a genetically modified source. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then it's it's some type of rice, um, and then some other derivative of sugar. And I I'm just find that crazy. I know. Well, I mean, listen, conventionally, it's how we're trained. It's, you know, I went to vet school and Royal Canin came in and they gave us our nutrition books. And that's, that's how we learn nutrition. And mm-hmm. we know nothing else. And unless you actually are looking outside of that box of what you learned, you don't know any better, quite mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I agree. I mean, dogs with cancer, I don't want them on carbs. I want that kind of ketogenic kind of diet happening mm-hmm. where, you know, we have meat and veggies. And there's some vets who, you know, they don't agree with giving veggies, but I feel like you need the nutrients. You need those phytonutrients. Yeah. You need the minerals. Um, you need the fiber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. So I, I don't, you know, handing you a powder with all the vitamins that you need, that's great. But A, it's not delicious. And B, <laughs> I think the plants contain so much more than just the vitamins and minerals. They have those phytonutrients that are really important. Yeah. And eating live foods, like you mm-hmm. mentioned, whole foods, live foods, because a lot of the foods that are given to dogs, they are, you know, heated up past their capacity and they're, they're dead foods. They're yeah. not getting the proper nutrients, let alone absorbing them. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, a really important thing. And, you know, some of you might be thinking right now, this is sounds like a lot of work, um, but, you know, it's it's really comes down to we make a crock pot for Booker, you know, mm-hmm. every week, and we kind of just throw a hodgepodge of different things in there. But, you know, people are constantly complimenting him on his coat and his physique, and he's so much more, you know, he's active, but he's also calm. He's not hyperactive, jumping on everyone. So I do find that it affects their behavior, Mm -hmm. not really just even, you know, maybe their physique or how they look physically. So, um, you know, it's the same as us. If you eat sugar all day, then you're going to be hyperactive and, you know, or have ADD or whatever you want to call it. Well, then you can really get into the gut and how the gut affects (laughs) everything. Everything. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. So... You know, I think the biggest point we're trying to make is is the fact that they are so similar to us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when your dog is developing an autoimmune condition, that it can be due to these different types of infections, overgrowths, um, and even the water. Yeah. I, I think that that's something we overlook as yeah. well. But if you want to elaborate a little bit on that, you know, just even the tap water for these dogs, what yeah. are you finding? Well, I mean, it's like, it's like the tests that you run where... Um, you know, we have so many pollutants in our waters Mm -hmm. and people just switch over to bottled water or filtered water and, you know, the tear staining goes away and there's so many changes. I mean, we're not running hair test analysis Mm -hmm. as of yet. I've contacted some companies. (laughs) Um, But it makes a difference. I mean, if you can cut down on the load of pollutants... It's just one thing less for the liver to have to heal, to deal with. Um, and the less overbogged the liver is, the better it's going to be at handling everything else that it's exposed to. Of course. And even outside of the pollutants, then you have the chlorine, which is a major... Um, and fluoride. <laughs> yeah. It, it yeah. completely depletes a lot of the good flora in mm-hmm. the gut as well, mm-hmm. which then, you know, dogs are 
eating stuff off the ground. They'll eat garbage. They'll eat anything. They're replenishing so, their flora in different ways. Well, yeah, in different you know? ways. <laughs> so replenishing that flora, you know, or, or having a depletion of the flora and then getting exposed to bad bacteria, now it can live within yep. the gut and cause a whole slew yep. of and problems. And if you throw food that's not great for them and not well digested on top of that... Mm-hmm. It's a cascade effect. It is. It totally is. It is. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So, definitely important points to um, take away. So, in the world of food, mm-hmm. what would you say are the top things that people want to keep their eye out for on either the, the kibble ingredients, you know, the other types of foods? Like, what are the main things they want to avoid for their dogs? So, we definitely want meat to be the first few ingredients. Um, I don't like foods that have a ton of ingredients in them. You know, what else is in there? Um, I don't want preservatives. We want to stay away from, you know, the typical corn, wheat, soy. And again, if you can buy organic, it's gonna be better. You wanna stay away from GMOs and anything that's going to have a lot of pesticides on it. What are your thoughts, and I don't know if you know of this food, the food origin, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on that? It's it's a good food. Mm-hmm. It's a good food. Um, but again, is the origin dry or? It is. It is, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, again, you have to kind of think about the dry factor. Not as much nutrients. Not as much nutrients. But again, if you do that as your base and you add in some veggies and a little meat, I think it's good. You know, it's about finding that balance. You can't expect, you know, I make my dog food, but sometimes she eats kibble. And it's okay. I mean, sometimes my kids eat crappy fast food. It's okay. You know, like, you have to find the balance. I don't think you can, I can't sit here and preach, like, you only have to eat fresh food. Because then honestly, it's too much pressure and you give up and yeah. you got to move on. Well, I just want to even talk from my own experience because we did, before we met you, we did work with a uh, doggy nutritionist. Mm-hmm. And um, I asked him about the origin food and he did say the same thing. He said, you know, it's good, but it is a dead food. So the nutrients that you think your dog is getting, he's not really getting that much. Mm-hmm. So because Booker did have the chronic occurring uh, yeast infections in his ears, You know, he said, why don't you at least get rid of the dry food for a little while? And we did solely just the um, homemade foods in the crock pots. And that really was a big part of resolving the issue, let alone some of the supplements that we used. So I think that if you're listening to this and you are someone who has a dog who maybe does have a chronic condition, maybe an autoimmune condition, maybe diabetes, you probably want to at least give it a try for a little while to dr- to try to do the whole food type diet and maybe leave the kibble out for a little while. Yeah. You could see some really massive changes through yeah. that. But I mean, again, and there's a lot of there's a lot of good good books out there as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they should talk to their vets, and some vets are really open to it. It's really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if they're not sure, then often they'll refer you out to who they think could help you. But there's a lot of books out there by some really good vets who have some good recipes that you can follow. And, and you want to mix it up. You don't want to feed the same thing over and over again. It's, again, it's like with us. Like, if we all eat peanut butter and jelly every day, you're going to not have certain nutrients. So yeah. it's the same thing. Okay, great. So um, what we can do, too, is I will get the list of the different books that Dr. Alexia recommends, and we'll make sure to have that as a resource for you um, on the podcast. 
Okay, so moving on, um, I have to ask is, you know, there was a lot of vaccinations that were recommended for my pet in the beginning, and I really just was on the fence. I wasn't sure, you know, what was absolutely necessary, what wasn't. Um, you know, if you could just give us any information about, you know, the vaccines, the ones that are absolutely necessary or are going to be the most benefit for our dogs, and some of the other ones that maybe through your clinical experience you've seen some reactions with or anything along those lines. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, I mean, the core vaccines that we usually use would be um, the distemper parvo combo vaccine, rabies, mm -hmm. and then, I mean, those are honestly the two core ones there. Um, and then from there, you can do Bordetella, you can do Limes, you can add in Lepto. I think that's about it. Dog flu, all depends on the season. So as a puppy, they need their vaccines. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know there's some vets out there who are totally anti-vaccine, but I'm that person that I want to know that your dog is covered. And I want to know you are protected as well. You know, God forbid your dog gets bitten by something, it's not vaccinated, and then you get bitten, we have problems. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, as a puppy, I definitely do the core vaccines of rabies, uh, the DHPPV. I don't tend to vaccinate for lepto. There's like 250 serovars for lepto out there, and we vaccinate for six of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, it protects from some, but it doesn't protect from all of them. Of course. And the same thing with Bordetella. I mean, if your dog is going to be boarded and in that situation where it's under stress and the immune system's compromised, then it might be something to think about doing. But at the same time, I would also work on boosting the immune system mm -hmm. before they go in. From there on then I like to do titers. I like to know what the level of distemper and parvo are. We can easily test those. We send them out to the lab. Um, and the same thing with rabies. I mean, rabies by law is every three years. And so it's a tough one there. Mm -hmm. um, but there's always titers available. And mm -hmm. so I think after, kind of after the first year, I would titer and see how they are. And before vaccines, I like to make sure that their immune system is optimal. Is optimal. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to vaccinate a sick dog. I don't want to cause any possible problems. Yeah, of course. I like to vaccinate in cooler weather. Mm -hmm. Just from a Chinese medicine point of view, a vaccine's hot. And mm -hmm. so if you vaccinate during hot weather, I'm not saying it's going to cause a problem, but I like to limit as many possible causes of problems. So, you know, I think vaccines are important, but I don't think we need to vaccinate as often as we do. Mm -hmm. Right now, there's the seven-year rabies challenge going on that they're running. Uh, Dr. Jean Dodds is in charge of it. And I think we're, they're getting preliminary answers now. And so hopefully once they get those results and you know, if the results say, yes, rabies is good for seven years, hopefully we'll be able to change that so that rabies is only due every seven years instead of every three, just to right. limit you know, the amount of vaccines that have to be given. Of course, of course. Yeah, and coming from um, someone who had a dog with Parvo, that is definitely something that, you know, you don't really want to experience. No. Um, so, you know, avoiding it, I think, is, is important. 
um, because it's it's not a good experience and it's also something that we have personally seen the aftermath yeah. of the imbalanced gut flora which has been a big part of the the chronic ear infections so mm-hmm. you know it's all something that we've managed to balance through diet um, and supplements which has been great but um, but also it's just you know it would have been great to avoid it at yeah. all costs yeah um, okay, so I thank you so much for your time, and I want people to know where to find you since you are offering so many unique services and such great insight to give people another perspective on how they can be taking care of their dogs, but also start to treat some of these chronic illness, but tr- treat it at the root, mm-hmm. ultimately. Yeah. Um, so why don't you give some um, ideas of how people can find you, if it's going to be through your website or your location, etc. Yeah, so our threat... Our website is www.thriveveterinarywellness.com. We are located at 31 Church Street in Little Silver. And our phone number, if people still use phones, is (laughs) 732-576-8594. All right, great. Well, we thank you so much for your insight. I think this is going to be really, really useful for people and uh, really just allowing them to feel more in control and more empowered to start, you know, taking some different steps to get their pets on track and knowing that, you know, what they feed them does matter. Mm -hmm. So I thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Of course. And until next time.